0: Episode 10. In a direct continuation of the narrative from the preceding episode, the author relates how he went home after visiting the pit at Aldgate, but being unable to sleep, ventures back out in the middle of the night to the tavern where the man grieving for his family had been taken by the barriers. There he confronts a, quote, dreadful set of fellows, unquote, who were jeering and mocking the grieving man. When the author admonishes them for their behavior, they turn their insults on him and enlarge upon them by blaspheming God and religion and making fun of all who take comfort in it. Well, later the plague carries this entire gang off to the barely concealed satisfaction of the author, who spends much time in prayer satisfying himself that his horror at their behavior was not motivated by anger at their insults. Methinks he doth protest too much. I was indeed shocked with this sight. It almost overwhelmed me. And I went away with my heart most afflicted, and full of the afflicting thoughts, such as I cannot describe. Just at my going out of the church, and turning up the street towards my own house, I saw another cart with links, and a bellman going before, coming out of Harrow Alley in the butcher row, on the other side of the way. And being, as I perceived, very full of dead bodies, it went directly over the street also toward the church. I stood a while, but I had no stomach to go back again to see the same dismal scene over again, so I went directly home, where I could not but consider with thankfulness the risk I had run, believing I had gotten no injury, as indeed I had not. Here the poor unhappy gentleman's grief came into my head again, and indeed I could not but shed tears in the reflection upon it, perhaps more than he did himself. But his case lay so heavy upon my mind that I could not prevail with myself, but that I must go out again into the street and go to the pie tavern, resolving to inquire what became of him. It was by this time one o'clock in the morning, and yet the poor gentleman was there. The truth was, the people of the house, knowing him, had entertained him, and kept him there all the night, notwithstanding the danger of being infected by him, although it appeared the man was perfectly sound himself. It is with regret that I take notice of this tavern. The people were civil, mannerly, and an obliging sort of folks enough, and had till this time kept their house open and their trade going on, though not so very publicly as formerly. But there was a dreadful set of fellows that used their house— And who, in the middle of all this horror, met there every night, behaved with all the revelling and roaring extravagances as is usual for such people to do at other times, and indeed to such an offensive degree that the very master and mistress of the house grew first ashamed and then terrified at them. They sat generally in a room next the street, and as they always kept late hours, so when the dead carts came across the street end into Houndsditch, which was in view of the tavern windows, they would frequently open the windows as soon as they heard the bell, and look out at them, and as they might often hear sad lamentations of people in the streets or at their windows as the carts went along, they would make their impudent mocks and jeers at them, especially if they heard the poor people calling upon God to have mercy upon them, as many would do at those times in their ordinary passing along the streets." These gentlemen, being something disturbed with the clutter of bringing the poor gentleman into the house, as above, were first angry and very high with the master of the house for suffering such a fellow, as they called him, to be brought out of the grave into their house; but being answered that the man was a neighbor, and that he was sound, but overwhelmed with the calamity of his family and the like, they turned their anger into ridiculing the man and his sorrow for his wife and children taunted him for want of courage to leap into the great pit and go to heaven, as they jeeringly expressed it, along with them adding some very profane and even blasphemous expressions. They were at this vile work when I came back to the house, and as far as I could see, though the man sat still, mute and disconsolate, and their affronts could not divert his sorrow, yet he was both grieved and offended at their discourse. Upon this, I gently reproved them, being well enough acquainted with their characters, and not unknown in person to two of them. They immediately fell upon me with ill language and oaths, asked me what I did out of my grave at such a time when so many honester men were carried into the churchyard, and why I was not at home saying my prayers against the dead cart came for me, and the like. I was indeed astonished at the impudence of the men, though not at all discomposed at their treatment of me. However, I kept my temper. I told them, that though I defied them or any man in the world to tax me with any dishonesty, yet I acknowledged that in this terrible judgment of God, many better than I were swept away and carried to their grave. But to answer their question directly, the case was, that I was mercifully preserved by that great God whose name they had blasphemed and taken in vain, by cursing and swearing in a dreadful manner, and that I believed I was preserved in particular, among other ends of his goodness, that I might reprove them for their audacious boldness in behaving in such a manner, and in such an awful time as this was, especially for their jeering and mocking at an honest gentleman and a neighbor, for some of them knew him, who, they saw, was overwhelmed with sorrow for the breaches which it had pleased God to make upon his family. I cannot call exactly to mind the hellish, abominable raillery which was the return they made to that talk of mine, being provoked, it seemed, that I was not at all afraid to be free with them, nor, if I could remember, would I fill my account with any of the words, the horrid oaths, curses, and vile expressions, such as, at that time of the day, even the worst and ordinariest people in the street would not use, for, except such hardened creatures as these, most wicked wretches that could be found, had at that time some terror upon their minds of the hands of that power, which could thus in a moment destroy them. But that which was the worst in all their devilish language was, that they were not afraid to blaspheme God, and talk atheistically, making a jest of my calling plague the hand of God, mocking and even laughing at the word judgment, as if the providence of God had no concern in the inflicting such a desolating stroke, and that the people calling upon God as they saw the carts carrying away the dead bodies was all enthusiastic, absurd, and impertinent. I made them some reply, such as I thought proper, but which I found was so far from putting a check to their horrid way of speaking, that it made them rail the more, so that I confess it filled me with horror and a kind of rage and I came away, as I told them, lest the hand of that judgment which had visited the whole city should glorify his vengeance upon them, and all that were near them. They received all reproof with the utmost contempt, and made the greatest mockery that was possible for them to do at me, giving me all the opprobious, insolent scoffs that they could think of for preaching to them, as they called it, which indeed grieved me rather than angered me. And I went away blessing God, However, in my mind, that I had not spared them, though they had insulted me so much. They continued this wretched course three or four days after this, continually mocking and jeering at all that showed themselves religious or serious, or that were in any way touched with the sense of the terrible judgment of God upon us. And I was informed they flouted in the same manner at the good people who, notwithstanding the contagion, met at the church, fasted, and prayed to God to remove his hand from them. I say they continued this dreadful course three or four days, I think it was no more, when one of them, particularly he who asked the poor gentleman what he did out of his grave, was struck from heaven with the plague, and died in a most deplorable manner, and, in a word, they were every one of them carried into the great pit which I have mentioned above, before it was quite filled, which was not above a fortnight or thereafter. These men were guilty of many extravagances, such as one would think human nature should have trembled at the thought of at such a time of general terror as was then upon us, and particularly scoffing and mocking at everything which they happened to see that was religious among the people, especially at their thronging zealously to the place of public worship, to implore mercy from heaven in such a time of distress and this tavern where they held their dub being within view of the church door, they had the more particular occasion for their atheistical, profane mirth. But this began to abate a little with them before the accident, which I have related happened, for the infection increased so violently at this part of the town now, that people began to be afraid to come to church, at least such numbers did not resort thither as was usual. Many of the clergymen likewise were dead, and others gone into the country, for it really required a steady courage and a strong faith for a man not only to venture being in town at such a time as this, but likewise to venture to come to church and perform the office of a minister to a congregation, of whom he had reason to believe many of them were actually infected with the plague, and to do this every day, or twice a day, as in some places was done. It is true the people showed an extraordinary zeal in these religious exercises and as the church doors were always open people would go in single at all times whether the minister was officiating or no and locking themselves into separate pews would be praying to god with great fervency and devotion others assembled at meeting houses every one as their different opinions in such things guided but all were promiscuously the subject of these men's drollery, especially at the beginning of the visitation. It seems they had been checked for their open insulting religion in this manner by several good people of every persuasion, and that, and the violent raging in the infection, I suppose, was the occasion that they had abated much of their rudeness for some time before, and were only roused by the spirit of ribaldry and atheism at the clamour which was made when the gentleman was first brought in there, and perhaps were agitated by the same devil when I took upon me to reprove them, though I did it at first with all the calmness, temper, and good manners that I could, which for a while they insulted me the more for thinking it had been in fear of their resentment, though afterwards they found the contrary. I went home, indeed, grieved and afflicted in my mind at the abominable wickedness of those men, not doubting, however, that they would be made dreadful examples of God's judgment, for I looked upon this dismal time to be a particular season of divine vengeance, and that God would on this occasion single out the proper objects of His displeasure in a more especial and remarkable manner than at another time, and that though I did believe that many good people would, and did, fall in the common calamity, and that it was no certain rule to judge of the eternal state of any one by their being distinguished in such a time of general destruction neither one way or other, yet, I say, it could not but seem reasonable to believe that God would not think fit to spare by His mercy such open, declared enemies that should insult His name and being, defy His vengeance And mock at his worship and worshippers at such a time. No, not though his mercy had thought fit to bear with and spare them at other times. That this was a day of visitation, a day of God's anger. And those words came into my thought from Jeremiah, verse 9 Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? And shall not my soul be avenged of such a nation as this? These things, I say, lay upon my mind. And I went home very much grieved and oppressed with the horror of these men's wickedness, and to think that anything could be so vile, so hardened, so notoriously wicked as to insult God and His servants and His worship in such a manner, and at such a time as this was, when He had, as it were, His sword drawn in His hand on purpose to take vengeance not on them only, but on the whole nation. I had indeed been in some passion at first with them, though it was really raised, not by any affront they offered me personally, but by the horror their blaspheming tongues filled me with. However, I was doubtful in my thoughts whether the resentment I retained was not all upon my own private account, for they had given me a great deal of ill language, too, I mean personally. But after some pause, and having a weight of grief upon my mind, I retired myself as soon as I came home, for I slept not that night, and giving God most humble thanks for my preservation in the eminent danger I had been in, I set my mind seriously and with the utmost earnestness to pray for those desperate wretches, that God would pardon them, open their eyes, and effectually humble them. By this I not only did my duty, namely to pray for those who despitefully used me, But I fully tried my own heart, to my full satisfaction, that it was not filled with any spirit of resentment, as they had offended me in particular, and I humbly recommend the method to all those that would know or be certain how to distinguish between their zeal for the honor of God and the effects of their private passions and resentment."